It's your boy Vic, Zach, and Joey, and uh, we're going to be here discussing Slaughterhouse-Five. Uh, on today's episode, we'll be talking about repetition in the novel, some biblical references, and uh, the importance of time. So first, we'll be discussing the repetition in the novel and uh, how it relates to the overall tone of the novel. boys the first thing i noticed when we were reading this was that every time someone dies it says so it goes what do you guys think about that i feel like vonnegut is trying to like make a commentary on our society today and how death is just normalized and you know you see it everywhere like in video games and tv you know when someone dies it's not like really a big deal anymore just they're gone on to the next person uh i want to like i agree with you joe because like at a young age i started playing video games so like I saw, it's like a prime example because like at a young age, it was, like Call of Duty was like a really big thing and other games, like uh, I played a game called Doom and it just like, like death was just so common, it became like, like almost nothing anymore, you know what I mean? Yeah, I really think today's media and video games and all the different outlets that people have seen death in, it just kind of normalizes it and just all kind of makes it less personal than it was in the past. Well, yeah, like Vic was saying, how in third grade I started playing video games, like Call of Duty and stuff, but now with Fortnite, now your kid's even younger. <laughs> like, uh, first first grade, second grade, they're already playing Fortnite. These games where you kill people, and that's like the main objective, to kill. And it just, yeah. I find it weird how parents and, you know, people can make games where they know these young, to attract young audiences like this, because like Fortnite's a little cartoony. It's like attract to go to audiences, or younger audiences, and have them play these games and just death is just normalized and like a normal thing it just happens yeah i know personally my i was playing fortnite and i was trying to explain it to my mom and she told me that uh her students who are in first grade were playing the game and they were drawing it and i mean it just starts even younger nowadays than it ever has in the past yeah i think like in the book like death is like mourned and in like past years but I think in like recent years, death is isn't like celebrated, but it's not it's not like as sad because in video games, like you see it all the time, movies, and it's just like a big thing now in pop culture. So do you wanna? Yeah, I think with all this death and talk of it, uh, I mean it's almost in. Every page, I feel like it just kind of adds to their overall tone of like the dark, depressing mood, and uh, it really sets the stage for the rest of the novel as a war novel. Yeah, like when the, in the first chapter, when the narrator first goes to uh, O'Hare's house, his O'Hare's wife was very upset with everything. Like, and the narrator didn't even know what he did or anything, but she finally let it out. Like, you guys were kids when you went to war. I don't want this to happen to anyone else. 
I don't want my kids to grow up and their friends and other children to grow up and to like live the same dark depression that you guys are facing and everything like that. Yeah, I would like I want to comment on like what Zach said because I feel like death he's like he said is on like every page and like so it goes is almost like a reminder that like death you can't escape death and like war is just like gruesome and like horrible especially at that time. Yeah, it really sets a stage for this anti-war novel. Um I mean, Vonnegut personally was anti-war, and it really shows about how he's, like, really trying to show the gruesome deaths when he describes it in detail, and how even though it's a gruesome death that people really don't acknowledge it too much as, um, like, a big consequence of war, it's just, like, they say, so it goes. Yeah, people, with war, people know there's deaths, like, when death happens, they kind of just let it, like, so it goes, like, it's just another person that died, there's... Thousands and thousands of deaths that happen when war uh, breaks out on both sides. So it's not like a big deal to people when war breaks out, but it feels like any other time, they'll probably spend more time thinking about the death. Yeah, like the term, the, like the, the saying, so it goes, I think like people, like he's just saying that because like, you know, you see someone die or you hear about it and you just like, it doesn't really affect you anymore because you just keep living life. So like, so it goes is like a big meaning of that like you just keep going even though like hundreds and thousands of people are dying especially in this wartime yeah i feel it's really reflective on what these first three chapters are about and i, I feel like it's really gonna play a part through the novel as a whole because it's really integral to the part of all the deaths in the war and also uh the aliens that uh, he claims abducted him yeah so about the aliens like we, so far in the novel, we haven't got much detail, but all three of us, I could see for myself at least, that we all feel that throughout the novel, the aliens are going to be more and more, like a bigger and bigger part of everything and, you know, affect the novel more than any of us would have thought uh, in the beginning. Yeah, I feel like the term so it goes and these light descriptions of the aliens and how he claims that he was adopted by them is really a, a foreshadowing for the rest of the novel as a whole. Next, we're going to be talking about how the novel utilizes biblical references, specifically in regards to how it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, so when Vonnegut writes about Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, I think it's speaking to a larger degree of the end of the world as a whole. Because I don't know uh, if you guys know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but God destroyed these two cities because uh, the people in them were acting very sinfully. But there was a few people that were allowed to uh, be saved. And it really speaks to the degree that, I mean... A lot of people say that the world is kind of in a darker place now than it ever has been. What do you guys think about that? Um, well, I would say that, like, the end of the world, like, that theme is very popular in, like, movies and video games because, like, back in, like, 2012 when they released the movie, 2012, honestly, as, like, a young kid, I I was, like, pretty scared, honestly, because I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know, this prediction would be, like, true or something but I think it's used 
as like a marketing thing just to get more money for the movies especially. Well, you have like the Maya calendar, like that whole deal where they thought the calendar's ending, so they think the world's gonna end. But like, I didn't really buy any of that. But the the doomsday the doomsday clock, where it's like we only have three seconds left, is like a planet. So like everyone in the world's like slowly destroying the planet. You know, whether it's through the natural gases and all that, global warming, or like. Or, like, even nuclear warfare, I mean, since World War II, the world has been ever closer to the end The end of, I mean, maybe not the entire world, but definitely humans as a species as we uh, have come to know it. Especially with the Cold War, like, the race, you know, for everything, Russia and the U.S. trying to make the best and the biggest nuclear war, the nuclear warhead, they just kept on going. And now, like, especially today with, you know, North Korea, the threats from North Korea, and with Syria now that... The bombings we put on them, you know, it seems like the U.S. has like a target on their back through everything, and like with the advancement of technology, nuclear warfare is like the the new way to go, and it's the ter- the fear uh, tactic because you know that could wipe out the entire population of people. Yeah, I feel like in like today's society, like a simple accusation or someone says like uh, a saying or a, like a saying towards another country like that could cause like turmoil between those two countries and it could honestly lead to like nuclear warfare because like a lot of things with uh, Trump and North Korea especially on like Twitter there's a lot of like accusations and claims made Trump got a bigger button yeah exactly like a <laughs> yeah sim- a simple saying like that could literally cause us to go into war yeah there's a lot of like different instances where I mean you're obviously a tweet would probably not um, make us go into nuclear warfare, but even uh, it's hard to respond to certain crises around the world. I mean, specifically about the, I mean, the Syrian uh, uh, rebel gassing crisis that just occurred. Uh, obviously, the U.S. had to respond in some way that Assad knew that he couldn't gas his own people, but it's also the fear that, I mean, the different alliances that are around the world, it's just really hectic in a way that it could threaten the entire world as we know it. Well, like, isn't Syria and Russia, are they allies? Yeah. So, like, now that we, you know, bombed Syria, gives Russia, especially, I think, going out, like, the election and all the accusations we put against them, like, Putin and all that, uh, uh, it's like, it gives them, like, a reason to, like, want to do something to us now. Like, now we have Syria and Russia to worry yeah, about. Yeah, it gives them a motive to, them, yeah. to actually do an action against us. Yeah, like, the U.S. and, like, the our planet is basically like the cop and I feel like we've taken on that role and I don't know if it's like going to benefit us or because I feel like a lot of times you see like bombings or attacks it's like the U.S. bombed Syria or the U.S. bombed another location or like um, Iran or something like that but like really like it's going to call it could cause like a lot of retaliation honestly. Well, yeah, the U.S. is like the global like you said, police force, like they're policing over everyone and making sure, you know, the, U- the UN and the NATO and all that, like making sure that we're at the top of all that to make sure the rest of the world stays in place and, you know, does as we, as pretty much we want, like so nothing really break out or anything like that. Yeah, I really feel that um, because of the power that the U.S. has, it puts them in an odd position where we do want to protect our own interests, but we also have to be careful and not, like, 
um, pursue something that would cause uh, a major event that could kill all humans. All right, so lastly, before we end the show today, we were discussing the importance of the time within a novel and discuss how the aliens play, as we say before, how they play uh, a key role in the novel and how we think they'll play a role in the novel as it, as it progresses. And we'll just talk about how people view uh, different concepts and stuff like that over time. So time is like really a key component in novel, you know, like the, Billy talking about how he, he was traveling through time and how like, you know, time stopped or whatever. And a big part of that is like through, through the uh, Truffle or you know, where those aliens are called. And, you know, I just want to get your opinion on what time is and like how, why time is so important in the book. I found it like really weird with like the time situation because like it was almost as if there's like no present past or future it's just like he's just moving through time so like when he when he's talking about how like he gets abducted by these aliens it's it's like super weird to like not comprehend but like understand like completely because like we don't know like what time period this is i mean we know the date and everything but like we don't know like at what point in his life this happened because he's like and especially since because of the airplane crash like no one really believes him. He, everyone thinks he's like a lunatic, especially because he like broke his head open and he was the only one to survive. And now he's like talking about how he got abducted by these aliens. So it's just really weird. Yeah, I know it confused me at first with the jumping around during time and specifically with the, how everyone thinks he's crazy. I mean, I don't know if I would fully believe um, like him because he's showing signs of being mentally unstable when he he weeps for no reason and he goes to a doctor and talks to him about it. I don't know. It's just really... Um, I feel like Vonnegut's just trying to say, like... It, uh, or maybe not say, but he's trying to hint that it's unclear whether he really was abducted by aliens or he is just a lunatic. Well, yeah, because, like I said, like Vonnegut said in the... Uh, novel like his skull is cracked and all these like signs of mental illness he's been facing and you know like hallucination and all that like no one really knows if because it, it was just him that survived so no one knows if he's really telling the truth or if he really is you know there's something wrong with him mentally or if you know no one really knows yeah um even if he isn't mentally um unstable at this point we do know that time really has an impact on him and on the, on the novel as a whole and how it's going to progress in the future. Yeah, I would say, like, another, like, providing factor is that he, like, he was in the war. Like, he did get captured and everything, too, so that could also, like, play a factor in, like, his mental illness because he, he was getting, like, bullied by, what was his, uh, like, not weary, comrade, weary. weary. Like, weary was just, like, keeping him alive, but, like, still, like... He, he, he was physically abusing him. Yeah, to keep him going, though, so... He, he went through, like, a lot of things in his life so far. I feel like his PTSD from the war, well, if he has any, but, you know, he's showing signs that he does. Like, that. that's probably uh, playing, like, a bigger role in how he 
perceives life now that he's out of the war and, you know, through time and maybe the aliens, like, has something to do with all that. Yeah, he's kind of, like, moving through these different points in time that he says, but it could also just be, like, a, a war flashback or a flashback to times in his life where he was really impacted by whatever experiences he was having at the time. And because of his experiences in the plane crash and his physical abuse during the war, it kind of changed his mind to focus on these points in his life. Yeah, I think like one one part of this chapter that really of chapter three that really like like formed my opinion was when his daughter asked him like, "Why didn't you tell me or about anybody about the aliens before the plane crash?" And he said, "The time wasn't ripe." So I think like. He really didn't get abducted. It's it's all these like occurrences and like horrible things that's happened in his life that are just adding up, and he's just like making up this little world that he's like living in when really like none of it happened. I right, so I want to you know branch away from the aliens. So I'm focus more on the time now. Like, I noticed about the novel how when he talks about the different time traveling, nothing's in like chronological order. It's all out of order. Like one event might have in 1954, the other one right after he talks about is 1936. So do you guys think that has any uh, significant impact or, you know, just do the events that happen, are they, like, more significant than the ones that you talk about first or? Well, I think Vonnegut's really trying to show that even if um, these aliens did abduct him, that he is really unstable and that's why they aren't in chronological order that, like, because of instability in his brain, like, he's just moving in between, like, random points, like, well, to us they seem random, but... Uh, just kind of random points in time that uh, are not in the same order and really kind of mess with the reader's comprehension of the story in general. Yeah, I think he's just like in like some kind of hysteria because like he he's moving through like all these time periods, but like he he's just really not like like in, and especially he's like his emotions like he said how he's like weeping in his bedroom or something and then he'll be weeping in like World War Two when he's getting captured by the Germans so he's really like as Zach said like unstable and you really can't tell what's going on yeah like maybe his experiences like right now really planned uh, what experiences he th- he thinks or is experiencing in different points in time that aren't actually right then well those are our thoughts about the first three chapters of uh, Slaughterhouse Five Discuss with your friends and let us know what you thought about these chapters and our thoughts about them. Thank you all for listening and catch us back next week when we talk about chapters 4-7.